I'm on a mission today. I have a word from the Lord for you. Can I read you something? Can I read you something? I wanna, I'm going to read you something before we get into the message, but while your hearts are still engaged in worship. Is that all right? Is that all right? 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. It's a verse that quite often I will quote to you during worship. But today I want to go a little bit deeper. Today I want to use this verse as a platform to determine our direction today. Here's what this verse says. Here's what Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. He says, cast all of your anxiety on him. Somebody say cast. Look at your neighbor and say cast. Cast all of your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Hold on a second. Cast all of your anxiety upon him. I love this verse. This verse excites me. Cast all, Christy, of your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. Somebody sooner or later is going to help me preach this. Cast all of your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. Hold on a second. In some of your translations, it says something a little different. It says, cast all of your cares upon him because he cares for you. Mm, hold on a second. Somebody going to get excited about this. Cast all of your cares upon him because he cares for you. In other words, what, what Peter is telling us is the cares of this world that are weighing you down will have to succumb to the care that Jesus has for you. Mm, hold on a second. Look at your neighbor and announce to them the title for today's message. Cast off. Look at somebody else and say, cast off. Now, hang with me for a moment, because let me explain to you the theological significance of that. Because some of you are living your life according to worry, according to fear, according to stress, anxiety, maybe even the fear of being obedient to God's word. How many of you know obedience sometimes causes us to have some fear? Hello? But let me give you some depth of that verse. When it says cast, that word for cast that Peter uses is the word epiripto. Epiripto means to cast off. It means to hurl off, to throw off in a violent way. To throw it off of you in a violent way. It also paints a word picture. It is used sometimes for the casting off of the net, if you will. To throw it off as hard as you can. Now what Peter is saying to us is that your shoulders, this is a divine interpretation, if you will, your shoulders are not worthy of carrying the burden that you are trying to carry. Mm, Lord have mercy. You see, some of you are living according to worry. I, I'm, not, I'm not here to, to preach a message on worry. That's not why I'm here. I'm not here to talk about the biological ramifications of worry. That's not what I'm doing. I do want to give you the spiritual significance of this verse. What Peter is saying that Jesus is telling you is this. Your shoulders were not built to carry everything that you're trying to carry. But his shoulders were. So cast it off, off of you. Take it off of you. Hurl it off of you onto his back. Somebody say cast off. Cast off. Cast off of you. He didn't create you to lift up. I don't know who this is for. But some of you are trying to lift something that you were not designed to lift. God didn't create you to be a heavy lifter. That's why he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to do all the lifting 
in your life. Some of you are carrying what you should be casting. Some of you are living in the burden when you should be living in the blood. Is somebody going to help me preach up in this place? And sometimes the very thing that you are casting off is the very thing that God uses to draw you closer to him. In fact, if you were to read just a little further in that narrative, just go down to verse 10. Verse 10 says, and the God of all grace, after you have suffered for a little while, will himself reach down and restore you. Hold on a second. There is something about hurling off, throwing off in a violent way, something that's weighing me down because my shoulders weren't meant to carry and lift that burden, but his were and are. Then the God of all grace, after you have suffered for a little while, will himself reach down and restore you. There is something about the grace of God that we ought to be giving him praise for. Because when I take off of me, I cast off of me the things that I cannot carry. It enables me to lift up my hands and worship him. And worship helps me keep my sanity. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, I'm saying. Might not look like it, but I'm saying. Just just be seated real quick. Be seated. Somebody say cast off. So when I think about this concept of nets, the grace of God, my mind goes to a narrative of Scripture that we're going to explore over the next several weeks. It's really a narrative of Scripture when at first glance you don't necessarily see the grace of God at work, but the further you get into the narrative, you understand and see that God's grace explodes on the scene. So welcome to installment number one of Fish and Vines. So take your Bible and turn with me to Jonah chapter one. I'm going to preach to this crowd right here. Jonah chapter one. Mm, Already lost this crowd right here. But let me set this narrative up for you because the events that unfold in the life of Jonah very much parallel the life of Christ. But really, there are some things that are distinctly opposite about the two. First off, we see Jonah, if you're a reader of the book of Jonah, which I want to challenge you to read these four chapters over the next four weeks with me. But the very first thing that you notice is this disobedience on Jonah's life or in Jonah's life. And At first glance, it looks as if he's disobedient to doing what God called him to do out of fear, which is true. But we think that he's disobedient because of his fear of going to Nineveh, because God has called him to go to Nineveh, and Nineveh is this wicked city, and it's this, it's his arch enemy. It's a vile city that, that kills people that they don't like, and they don't like Jonah. And so it looks as if when you first read it that the reason why Jonah is disobedient is because he fears for his life. But the further you get into the narrative, you realize that Jonah, it was not that Jonah feared for his life and that's why he didn't go to Nineveh. It was that Jonah feared that God would bring them life. So when you read this story, other preachers may have preached it that it shows God's anger, if you will, retribution, if you will, towards Jonah, but that's not what this story is about. In fact, this story is about how the grace of God actually works. So when we read verse 1, let me set this up for you. It says to us that God has told Jonah to go to Nineveh. 
what we know are two things about Nineveh. Number one, Nineveh is a very, very large city. And number two, it is a very, very wicked city. Jonah tells us that the city is so large that it takes three days to walk from one side of the city to the other. Historians tell us that the walls that encompassed Nineveh were so large that three chariots could be shoulder to shoulder on the top of those walls and drive around those walls. But we also know from historians that it was one of the most wicked cities to ever exist. In fact, what they would do is they would not allow other cities to be established. And if, if a foe would try to come against them, they would go to their city, their country. They would take the leaders. They would skin the leaders alive, take their skin and place it on their city walls bury them up to their heads in the sand, take a stake and drive the stake through their mouths so that their tongues were fastened to the ground. Then they would cut off all the heads of the women and children. This just sounds like exactly what you wanted to hear today. Throw their heads outside of their, their own city walls as if to say, if you mess with us, this is what happens to you. Now God is telling Jonah, who is this man of God, this, this prophet of Israel, this, this leading this nation, he says, go to Nineveh. In fact, let me read for you verse 1, Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. If you're there, say, I'm there. Jonah 1, 1 says, and the word of the Lord, everybody say the word. Circle the word in your Bible. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. Hang on a second. Jonah is doing what Jonah does. And all of a sudden, there was a knock at the door of Jonah's heart. And the word of the Lord came. And the word of the Lord came to Jonah. That's my God voice. I guess that sounds better than this right here. And the word of the Lord came to Jonah. And that was not a woman's voice, by the way. So I don't want any of the ladies saying, well, what in the world was that chauvinistic? No, 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 not at all. Holy Spirit, come back. Okay, here we go. And the word of the Lord came to Jonah. How many of you want a word from the Lord? Come on, if you want a word from the Lord, then raise your hand real high. You just, I want a word from the Lord. Give me a word, Lord. Okay. If you'll remember two weeks ago, I told you that the word of the Lord always comes in the form of a solution. Anytime God speaks, it always comes in the form of a solution. If you think about it, the very first book in the Bible, it says God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form, and darkness hovered over, over its surface, and his spirit hovered over the surface of the water, and God said, let there be light, and there was the solution. You can continue to read in the book of Genesis and on in Exodus, and you can see that God spoke to Moses in the form of a solution, in the form of a burning bush when he said, go and tell the Pharaoh to let my people go, and I am sending you the solution. You can go over to the New Testament in the book of John where it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us in the form of Jesus. And Jesus is the Word, and He became our solution. So the Word of the Lord came to Jonah. How many of you want a word from the Lord? Well, it is impossible to receive a word from the Lord if you're not willing to silence all other noise. Hmm. 
Somebody going to help me preach that? And the word of the Lord came to Jonah. You see, the word of the Lord came to Jonah because Jonah was always with the word. <laughs> Hello. The word of the Lord brings clarity. Somebody say clarity. Look at your neighbor and say, the word brings clarity. The word of the Lord. The word of the Lord came to, to Jonah. We all want a word from the Lord because we believe that word will bring us clarity. Even the Bible says that trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not upon your own understanding, but in all of your ways acknowledge his word and your paths will be straight. So the Bible says that the word of the Lord came to Jonah. You see, it was not only that the word was always with Jonah. It was that Jonah was always with the word. Some of you want a word from the Lord, but you're not making room for the word of the Lord in your life. Can I get a hello? I'm going to high five this over here because, yeah, amen. I don't want to feel alone. Hey, there we go. All right. Amen. So, so hang on a second. We all want the word, but are we making room for the word to... Mm. Hold on a second. The word was with Jonah because Jonah was always with the word. Can I, can I tell you something? The Lord is a gentleman. He is not going to just kick down the walls in your life and come in and just, just have rampage over your life. No, the Bible says... Behold, I stand at the door and knock. <laughs> and when I knock, it's your responsibility to open. Mm, Lord have mercy. Y'all are not hearing me. The Bible says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. It's our responsibility to open up our lives to the word. That word that brings clarity. It is that word that came to Jonah. It is the same word that was spoken over Lazarus' life when Jesus said to him, Come out of that grave and take off of those grave clothes. It's the same word that was spoken over the paralyzed dude's life when Jesus said, Pick up your mat and go home because you are healed. His word will bring clarity to our lives. It is his word that enables us to speak to things that are not as though they are. Come on, somebody. I came to preach today. Clarity. Somebody say clarity. You see, sometimes the word of the Lord does not bring instantaneous results. But it always brings instruction. Mm. And it's the manifestation, well, it's the fulfillment of the instructions that bring about the manifestation of his word. Did you grab that? It's the fulfillment of the instructions that bring about the manifestation of his word. You see, sometimes the instructions go against what we desire. Sometimes the, the, the instructions go against our comfort level. It's like I heard an old preacher one time. He, he said, I'll define sin in this way. Living for self. Living for yourself ultimately is sin. Because self gets in the way of the very thing that God is trying to do in your life. In fact, I, I wrote this down this morning. Let me share it with you. Here's, here's, here's what I wrote down. The word of the Lord comes in the form of instruction, and instruction always requires obedience. Mm. In fact, look at verse 2. Look with me. Verse 2. Let's read it. Everybody say, I'm there. Somebody say, verse 2. 
Verse 2 starts out, go, everybody, say go. Mm, so hold on a second. The word brings clarity, but the word also brings a required action. Somebody say action. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. Go, 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 go to the great city of Nineveh. The word that God gives to us, the instructions that he gives to us always come with a directive to go to the need. The word that he gives to us always points us to a need. You see, the need was what was happening in Nineveh. And as far as Jonah was concerned, Nineveh needed to be destroyed. Nineveh needed to, to, to have some retribution, if you will. But as far as God was concerned, he wanted to bring restoration. The need. Go to the need. The word always requires action on our part. Can you imagine Jonah, though, when he gets this word? I ain't doing it. Nope. <laughs> no. <laughs> Not going to. Y'all, that needs way, way, way too big for these shoulders. Cannot, 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 will not. Cannot do it. Way too heavy. Needs way too big. God, you can get somebody else, God. Not going to do it. And the word of the Lord came to Jonah and said, go to Nineveh. And hold on a second. Go to Nineveh. I, we know what Nineveh looked like in a vague way. We know all of the stuff that we've already talked about. Go to Nineveh. That's what Nineveh looked like for Jonah. What does your Nineveh look like? Hello. Because God has told us to go. Go. Our Nineveh, this church, is, it's the city of Fayetteville. The city of Fayetteville is our Nineveh. It's where God called us to go. It's where God said, go to the need. And when you see the need, fill it. When you see the hurt, heal it. Go to the need. Our Nineveh is the city of David, Panama, where we're establishing a second campus right now as I speak. Go to the need, if you will. And sometimes going to the need goes against our desire for comfort. Can you imagine Jonah? Jonah said, I, I, I didn't want to do this. Way too big, way too much. You see, sometimes, let me read this to you. I don't even think this is in your notes. It may be after the first service, but watch this. Sometimes the word that is in us has to beat back the desire we have for comfort around us. Sometimes the word that is within us has to beat back our desire for comfort around us, Jonah said, I ain't, I ain't, I ain't, uh, I, ain't mm -mm, I ain't doing it. Uh-uh. No. Nope, hang that up, not doing it. No. Did you see what they did to the last king? Did you see what they did to the last prophet? And, and to be honest with you, God, I'm kind of partial to my skin. <laughs> I need my tongue. I ain't going. The word of the Lord requires action. And do you know what? The word of the Lord does not come to normal people. <laughs> the word of the Lord goes to people who are willing to act. The word of the Lord does not go to normal people who are like, I'm not going to fight through the cloudy weather that's outside, so I ain't going to church today. The word of the Lord does not fight through the people. I'm not lifting up my hands because he told me to lift up my hands. I ain't going to do it. I ain't going to worship because it's way too loud. I ain't doing it. I ain't going to do it. The word of the Lord does not come to normal people. The word of the Lord comes to people who are willing to act.
praise the Lord for the polite applause. <clears throat> so what happens in verse 3? The word of the Lord came to Jonah, go to this great city of Nineveh. And verse 3 starts out, but Jonah ran. <laughs> but Jonah ran. I ain't doing it. But Jonah ran. Nope, I ain't going to do it. Read the rest of it. It says, but Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for the port. And after paying the fare, he went aboard. He sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Verse 4, then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea and such a violent storm arose and all the ship was threatened to break up. All of the sailors were afraid and each cried out in his, to his own God and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. They knew he was a prophet. Verse 7, then the sailors said to each other, come, let us cast lots and find out who is responsible for this calamity. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. <laughs> hey, grab this. Hold on a second. So, so here, is, here, here is Jonah called to, to Nineveh, but he goes to Tarshish. Let me say this. Sometimes... What seems like the easiest destination is only a distraction from the enemy that takes you away from your eternal destiny. Why did he choose Tarshish? There just so happened to be a boat that was ready when he got down to the port at Joppa that was going to Tarshish. God called him to Nineveh, which was east. He goes to Tarshish, which is west. And Tarshish was considered at the end of the earth. He couldn't go any further. God called him here. He went there. God called him east, and he went as far as he could go west because there just so happened to be a boat. And when he got there, don't you know in the flesh, he was like, well, maybe I missed God because it just so happened to be a boat that's heading to... Tarshish in the opposite direction. Maybe I didn't hear from the Lord after all because this is just way, way too convenient. Lord, it's just way too convenient. Can I tell you something? When God calls you to Nineveh, the enemy will always have a boat ready for you to board to take you to Tarshish. So here he is boarding a boat, going in the wrong direction. Wondering, okay, God... I'm fleeing from that because I don't want to go. Some of you have boarded the boat going in the wrong direction. I don't know who this is for, but, but there's clarity, there's action. And you've, you've taken action, but, but it's, it's your own plan, it's your own route. And you wonder why you're suffering through the things that you're suffering through. Well, the reason for that is because you're in Tarshish when God called you to Nineveh. The reason why you're having the problems that you're having in that relationship is because you boarded a boat and went somewhere that God didn't tell you to go in the first place. Mm, Lord have mercy. The reason why you're having the feelings of rejection there is because God sent you to another place where the people were going to accept you, but you didn't go to that place because you had your own plan to go over here. I don't know. Is anybody going to help me preach? What I'm trying to tell you is that God has called us to a whole nother level. He's called us to a whole nother place. Some of you have boarded the ship to Tarshish that's called unforgiveness, but God called you to another place called restoration mm, Lord have mercy. so all of the men on the ship they're wigging out 
throwing the cargo overboard. Man, we're going to die. We're going to die. You see, when you board the boat of disobedience, your disobedience always affects the other passengers. Are you with me? In fact, if you say that your priority is to live for God, but yet you're not living for God in, in such a way that your kids see you living for God, they'll hear you talking about living for God, but they won't see you living for God. They'll hear you talk about loving Jesus, but they won't see the love of Jesus in you. And then they'll not believe in the Jesus that you say that you love because they don't see the benefit of it. Hello? So you want to go to work and tell everybody you're a Christ follower, but you want to complain and gossip about your boss, and then they're all confused, and you wonder why they don't want to go to your church. Oh, Lord, it's all quiet up in here. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. <laughs> mm. And so here is Jonah. And you know what? We give Jonah a bad rap. But Jonah's just like, I mean, we're a lot like Jonah. Let me show you something. Verse 3, I, I skipped over it, but let me take you back there. Verse 3, it says, But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Can, can I teach for a minute? That phrase, to flee from the Lord. In the Hebrew... In the Hebrew, Hebrew manuscript, and even in some of your translations, it says to, free, to, to flee from the presence of the Lord. Okay, now, hang on a second. Because I did a word study on this verse. Because this verse, to be honest with you, it establishes the, the tone for the whole narrative. He went to Tarshish to flee from the presence of God. And the word presence in the Hebrew, at least in this particular narrative, is the Hebrew word panim, which means the face of God. Hold on a second. He was fleeing the face of God, not the hand of God. Let me tell you the difference. The hand of God is where the blessing comes from. The face of God is where the direction comes from. The hand of God is where the blessing comes from. The face of God is where the instruction comes from. He still wanted the hand of God upon him, but he didn't want to have to fulfill the responsibility of the instruction. Hello. And many times Christ followers, we're all like that. We say, hey, you know what? I want to see the lost saved. I want to see them saved. But it's easier for us to ignore their need and judge them rather than engage their need and help restore them. Hello. It's easier for us to board the boat to Tarshish called ignore and judge rather than the boat to, to Nineveh that says engage and heal. So he went as far west as he could go, or at least he attempted to go as far west as he could go. But he had forgotten about this principle in Psalms chapter 137 that says that you can go to the highest heights and the Lord is there, to the deepest depths and the Lord is there. So here is, here is, here is Jonah. The Bible says that he's asleep in the belly of the boat, just kind of drifting in his fate. Just, just drifting. Just drifting all around in his fate. <laughs> then verse 8 happens. Look at verse 8. Verse 8 says, 
So they asked him, tell us who is responsible for making all of this trouble for us. What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? He answered, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. This terrified them and they asked, what have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. Verse 11, the sea was getting rougher and rougher. So he asked him, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Hold on a second, because you've got clarity, you've got action. But then now it's like Jonah's saying, man, all God really wanted was surrender. Somebody say surrender. Surrender. You see, at this moment in the narrative, you begin to see a distinct difference between Jonah and, and God. Jonah has a hatred for the people of Nineveh, and he wants to see them destroyed. God has a love for the people of Nineveh, and he wants to see them delivered. In fact, there's such parallels between Jonah and Jesus. Theologians will tell us that the story of Jonah is really a precursor to, to the story of the Messiah. And even Jesus himself referenced Jonah in Matthew chapter 12. He was talking about how Jonah, if you will, did everything wrong and Jesus came to do everything right. Jonah ran from his enemies, but Jesus ran towards his enemies. Jonah wanted his enemies destroyed, but Jesus wanted his enemies delivered. Jonah wanted to live for self, but Jesus poured himself out. Lord have mercy. So all God wanted from Jonah was surrender. Somebody say surrender. Verse, 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 verse 12, verse 12. So, so Jonah says, hey, 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 what am I supposed to, they, they asked Jonah, what are we supposed to do to you? What are we supposed to do to you? So that the seas will be calm. And so verse 12, Jonah says, uh, pick me up and throw me into the sea. Pick me up and throw me in. Somebody say, throw it off. Somebody say, throw it off. Look at your neighbor and say, throw it off. Hmm. Hold on a second. Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I, I know that it's my fault, uh, that it's my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Throw, throw it off. Hold on a second. Throw, there's some symbolism here. I don't know if you're grabbing this yet. Throw it off. We know that Jonah is human, if you will, and he's saying, throw me into the sea. Throw it off. Throw it, throw it off. Ho hold on a second. Verse 13. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than it was before. They cried out to the Lord, Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man for you. Lord, have done for you, Lord, have done as you have pleased. And verse 15, Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men grew or were greatly feared and they greatly feared the Lord and offered up a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Hang on a second. Hold on, hold on, hold on. So Jonah said, just 
throw me off. Just cast me out to sea. Hold on. Do you see the connection here to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, where we started off, where Peter writes, who's a fisherman, and he says, cast all of your cares upon him because he cares for you. And the word cast is epiripto, which means to violently cast off. And here they are throwing my man Jonah overboard. Can I tell you something? I don't know if you've seen this yet. I don't know if you've connected all of the dots, but God will use the brokenness to bring about his wholeness. God will use the rough seas to bring you into calm seas. God will use the pain to bring you into healing. You see, this was not a storm. This was not a storm that was going to pay Jonah back. This was a storm that was going to bring Jonah back. This was not a storm of retribution. This was a storm of restoration. So now we see the connection between the Old and New Testament. Cast your cares upon him because he can cares for you and it's the throwing off of that thing that you were not meant to burden that ultimately will cause God the God of grace after you have suffered for a little while will himself reach down and restore you some of you need to cast off what you have been carrying because you were not meant to carry it you were meant to cast it off you need to cast off your insecurity and grab hold of who he is you need to cast off your sickness and grab hold of his healing you need to cast off your fear and grab hold of his confidence. Is somebody going to get on their feet and help me cast some things off? You need to cast off what you cannot do so that you can realize what he can do. Somebody help me praise him today. Everybody stand to your feet. Say cast off. Cast off. Cast off. Hold on a second. Cast off. Some of you are carrying what God meant for you to cast. Some of you are carrying what you should be casting. Cast. Cast. <laughs> Clarity. Action. Surrender. Throw it off. Clarity. The word of the Lord brings clarity. The word of the Lord requires action. The word of the Lord requires surrender. Throw it off. How many of you know sometimes you have to surrender that thing that is weighing you down? You got to surrender so that God can do with it what you cannot do for yourself.